Welcome to episode 145 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember... The thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends. So, I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time, and I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like 100 brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order. So you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous and they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumer consumers from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 145 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am just fabulous. How are you doing? I am equally fabulous. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Just things are just rolling along. Time just flies. It does. I want it to be, I already want it to be winter 
like I know it's winter right now, but I just love winter so much that I'm like, oh, can it almost be winter? But it is winter. Like that's a problem. It is winter. <laughs> but we, we're in the South. So I would like to see a little snow. You know, I look at my Facebook memories and for the past week, there have been in my Facebook memories every day I was talking about a little snow flurry here or maybe there's going to be snow. I would like a little snow. Hello, winter. Bring me some snow here in Georgia. I just want a little bit. I'm not asking for much. All the people living in snowy places are like over it, but I just want a little snow. It's like been weird, the temperature. It's been going like warm and then cold and then warm. Yeah, it has. I would just like it to be freezing all the time. Well, I don't like to be cold. (laughs) I know. As you know, I don't really change my wardrobe in the winter. People look at me so weird. Even if I'm wearing like pants and a t-shirt. Because if it were up to me, I'd wear like shorts and a t-shirt, even though it's freezing. Would you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But people will stare at me because I have a t-shirt on. I'm like, at least I have on like sweatpants. Right. <laughs> well, we are just booking along in the Facebook groups. Lordy, we have had 15,000 new members in the past 12 days. That's, oh, wow. I mean, that's crazy. 15,000 members in 12 days. So we, I mean, it's it's thrilling. So don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining about it. It's it's a good problem to have, but whew, we are growing so fast. And that just goes to show how intermittent fasting is just exploding. So true. I mean, it's not just a little bit. A few people are, no, we have reached that point, that snowball, the exponential growth. It's here. And, you know, we've been quietly, well, not quietly, but we've been over here doing this podcast since 2017. Almost three years. We're getting to the three-year mark. We're on our third year, but we'll get to the third, you know, we'll complete three years in April of this year. We'll be our third full year. I feel like we did it at the perfect time because if it was now, it would seem, not really, but like, it's like, oh, you're just trying to capitalize on a fad, you know? Yeah. Oh, somebody did, did say that in the group today. I posted something. And they're like, she's just, and I'm like, I have been, (laughs) they're complaining about my group or something. And I'm like, I have been quietly leading Facebook support groups since 2015, before I wrote a book, before I had a podcast, before I, anything. So no, this has been my labor of love since 2015. People just don't get it. We're not on a fad. This is how we live. We're just trying to help people live the lifestyle. Yeah. I think things can appear like like I said, capitalizing or like an overnight sensation or something, but when you've really been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, I I was doing, like I said, I've been running these support groups since 2015, a year and a half before I even thought of of having a book. So, you know, anyway, it's just funny to think about how, yeah, now it's huge. Now people are joining like crazy, but we're here to support people. That is the mission. And it's, it's very cool that now it's huge, but (laughs) <laughs> the number of like ways you can pay other people to support you through intermittent fasting is also going to be going up. So y'all, you don't need to pay somebody $200 a month to be your intermittent fasting coach. I promise. You've got the wisdom inside of you. Don't, don't do those. You know, you don't need a multi-level marketing intermittent fasting plan. Are they making those? Oh, that ex- I'm not going to say the name of it, but there's one right now that it's a multi-level marketing intermittent fasting coaching program that you can join and pay big bucks to be part of. And they also have all these diety parts to it, like how you're supposed to eat, but it's, it's intermittent fasting. Yeah. Mm. 
probably saw that coming. Well, and it's been a while around for a little while, maybe a year. I'm not sure. But you really don't. This is one of those things you do not need. <laughs> I mean, you can have, you know, just like someone might need a life coach. I can understand having a health coach who guides you through the process, but you don't need to join a fancy plan that, you know, now you're going to have to recruit other people. That's not what intermittent fasting should be. So run away from those, y'all. And I'm not ever going to start one of those. I've actually had people approach me and say, why don't you start this, you know, coaching website and you can do this and that. I'm like, uh-uh, that's not what, what I'm doing. I mean, I've got Facebook groups. They're free. We'll support you for free. Anyway. Yeah. Same page. So. Yeah. Which is why it was kind of hilarious when somebody in the Facebook group today complained that we were just there trying to make a buck. And I'm like, do you know how many ways I could try to make a buck that, <laughs> we're, t- you know, this is a free support group. <laughs> anyway. Off my soapbox. I hear you. You are heard. (laughs) I mean, yes, we have advertisers. Yes, the advertisers pay us. But you know what? This is a full-time job. How many listeners have full-time jobs that they do for free? We also don't take any advertisers that we don't like love or agree with or support their... Like if, if people knew how many companies want to sponsor, you know, like, oh yeah, we turn them, we turn down more than we say yes to, which is absolutely true. We, we absolutely do. And so, you know, yeah, we have to, we have to, if we're going to work full time, we do want to be compensated for it because everyone who works full time deserves (laughs) to be paid for it. We're not just going to put on a free podcast and free support and all that, but it's a labor of love. That's why we do it. Yep. I had an, a like a weird epiphany. I was researching some studies, so I was I had them printed out and I was reading it. And somebody came up to me and they were like, "Oh, are you in school?" And I was like, "Oh no, I'm just researching." And but then I was just thinking, it is sort of like school. And then I was just contemplating the nature of school. It's I mean, it's self school. I mean, I'm all for school, and I graduated from college and everything. But it's like you you pay you know a substantial amount of money to be forced to study and then to get this like letter after your name, or you could do it all yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a fan of competency-based education, which is where you, you demonstrate that you can meet certain criteria without necessarily having to sit through, you know, seat time. Because I, I think that we're in a new era, you know, you used to have to sit in a classroom to hear the professor lecture to you because that was the only where that was where the information was. But now the information is everywhere. There's no, the colleges no longer are the, the places where all the information is locked up. You don't have to travel there to get the information. I mean, I'm a lot older than you, Melanie, but when I was in college, we literally had to go to the library and look at the card catalog, paper card catalog. And then we had to go to the stacks to where the book was. And was, some of it was on microfiche. Have you ever seen microfiche? Do you know what that is? No. <laughs> it's where the information was like like these little mini cassette kind of things that were like almost like film strips. I don't know if you know what film strips are either. I do. <laughs> I went to film school. Okay. But the light would shine through them and you would see it. It had a screen and it would magnify it. But they they would put all the back catalogs of journals would be on microfiche. And it would be like photocopy. I mean, and you had to like scroll through it. It was so different. But now you don't have to do that. It's everywhere. Although I guess there is something to be said. I don't know. I think there is something about like the 
being able to engage with the professor and then getting the interpretation. Oh, I agree with that. I think we learn from each other. But the whole idea that you must have the seat time to learn. Speaking of though, so can I talk about the study that I was studying? Oh, absolutely. So it came about because I was, I'm researching for an interview with, remember when we had William Schufelt on the podcast? I sure do. He was the Red Power Ranger. I liked him a lot. He's so fun and nice. He wrote a book with Dr. Ted Naiman. The focus of it is the importance of protein in the diet. It's actually, I'm really, really enjoying it. But in any case, they referenced a study and I went to actually go read that study. And granted, it's from, it is from 1995. So it was done a while ago, but it was really fascinating. And it talked about a lot of things that I'm really obsessed with. So I thought I could discuss some of what it talked about, if you'd like. Oh yeah, definitely. So it was called Short-Term Alterations in in Carbohydrate Energy Intake in Humans. The subtitle is Striking Effects on Hepatic Glucose Production, De Novo Lipogenesis, Lipolysis, and Whole Body Fuel Selection. Making fat, using fat. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The purpose of the study was to figure out, it's something that we've talked about before and something we get a lot of questions about, and that's like the role of carbohydrates in fat storage and gaining fat and insulin and how does that all work? The reason I thought it was pretty appropriate, especially for our podcast was, so like in the abstract, it's so funny. So they said like in the beginning that they were looking to answer like a few questions and then they said the questions and I was reading it and I was like, I feel like I'm reading a novel. Like I'm so excited to see what, see what the answers are. So like what they were trying to look for is, so they wanted to see what would happen when altering diets by, they did a few different things, but the main one was like adding a lot of extra calories, but in the form of carbohydrates. And they wanted to see what, how that affected how the body metabolized different fuel substrates. So extra carb calories. Yeah. So like the different diets that they had was one, they did a 50% increase in calories. So, you know, if you needed 2000 calories, they would eat 3000 calories, all of those coming from carbs. So like a 50% increase from carbs. They had one that did a 25% increase from carbs. They did one that did a 50% decrease. So eating half of the calories that you needed and taking away from the carbs, like so affecting the carbs to get that. And then a negative 25%. So a quarter less calories that you needed from carbs. And then they did a 50% increase with fat. And I wish they had done more of the fat variables because they just had that one. And then they had a control, of course. And the the control was just everybody kept the same at, you know, quote, maintenance. Actually, the people were their own controls because it was... Okay, just eat like you were. So basically, it was two 15-day cycles. So the participants came in and in the first cycle, they went five days where they just did their normal diet. Then they did five days right after that where they increased their... They doubled or they did 50% increase in their diet with it all coming from carbs. And then they did five days where they did a 50% decrease and removing it with carbs. Then they went home, did their thing. Then they came back and they did five days where they increased 25% from carbs, five days where they decreased 25% from carbs, and then five days where they did a 50% increase with fat. I know it's like super random and all these different like things they're trying, but what they were trying to see was you know, radically shifting, either adding a lot of calories from carbs or taking away a lot of calories from carbs. How did it affect how their bodies were processing fuel? How did it affect fat storage? And like, 
what were the mechanisms of, of action there and how fast did the body adapt to things? And they all, what they specifically wanted to know that I found was so interesting. It said the question was, what is the source of carbohydrate oxidation by tissues in the fasted state in response to short-term increases in carbohydrate intake? So basically they wanted to know when fasting, if you're having more carbs and you're experiencing higher, like your body's using glucose still in the fasted state, where is that glucose coming from? So like, is it coming from the dietary carbs or is it, are there changes in the body that's making your body produce more carbs, like in the liver? Yeah, I would think I would, I would guess. Okay. If I had to guess, let me guess. So when you overeat the carbs, you add it to your normal diet and you're overeating carbs. I mean, I feel, I feel like your body burns off those carbs first and then any excess it'll stash into glycogen and then only if the glycogen stores are full it'll start storing fat is that what that is i mean is that logical so i feel like that's the way we often think about it so but what they were saying was that and you said this is from 95 yeah so there might have been more stuff since then but i mean it was pretty well controlled study it is yeah they, they're talking about how it's complicated because for example, like they were saying like in one, in one study, for example, they had rats that were fasting for 24 hours and it reduced their, their production of glucose in the liver by 50%. So when they ate a lot of carbs, their liver didn't need to make any or release glycogen because you had plenty. What they're trying to figure out was if you start eating carbs, does it encourage your liver to start making more carbs so that even when you're fasted, I'm confused by making more carbs. You mean making it out of protein, like making, converting protein. And yeah, I, I feel like it wouldn't need to do that. Like it wouldn't need to make more because you got a lot, right? Yeah, that's what you would think. But I don't think that's what they really found. It kind of goes back to when Chris Masterjohn was talking about this on a recent podcast that he was actually making the argument that in order to be metabolically flexible and support metabolism, it actually might be beneficial to be either high carb or high fat because when you're capitalizing on one substrate, your body starts using that substrate more. So it's more efficient at using it. So it'll be really good at doing that, which could benefit your overall health compared to if you're taking in multiple substrates, then yeah, maybe you can burn them all, but you're going to do better if you're focusing on one substrate compared to a mixed situation. I just focus on, is it delicious? <laughs> like I'm 100%, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I add butter to my homemade rolls till they taste delicious. <laughs> jealous, jealous. I'll just tell you what the things that they found. So interestingly, when they increased 50% by carbs, and when you compare it to 50% by fat, they actually gained a similar amount of weight. And what was interesting was that would insinuate that insulin is actually not the primary regulator because it's affecting insulin, but they gained similar weight. At the same time, when they added all those carbs, the liver was producing more carbs, but not when they added a lot of fats. And this is also like the cells burning carbs in the actual like tissues of the cell, not just looking at like blood sugar, but like when they added lots of carbs to the diet. So when the participants were eating 50% more of their calories, but in the forms of carbs, their cells were actually burning more carbs. Yeah, that's similar to what I've read about overfeeding studies on carbs. When they overfeed carbs, your body ramps up the burning of carbs. I've read that before in other studies. That that is 100% what I've seen before. Yeah. But what's so interesting is that the thing that was most affected by playing around with the carbs 
was the amount of de novo lipogenesis, so like the liver creating fat. But that said, even when they added like 50% more of their diet, all in the form of carbs, it only resulted in less than five grams of fat produced from those carbs. Yep, that's exactly. I've seen that in another study. So people who are like, if you eat extra carbs, it all just goes straight to fat. That's not true. Yeah, it like it really doesn't. It, I mean, it makes your body want to use carbs very much so. So you'll get hungry and you'll be craving carbs, and your body will be get really good at using carbs. So you'll be using them a lot. But actually, them turning to fat is very. It's you're going to just be storing fat. And I would like to also say, you just said that it will make you hungry. Not necessarily. I am very satisfied from high quality carbs. It's when I don't eat enough carbs that I'm hungrier. That's just, that's me. We're all different. And so that's just, and also don't think, I don't want people to think that we're telling everybody to pick out on eat extra carbs. You just eat nothing, go crazy. No. Yeah. The thing is it creates a situation very likely for fat gain because you'll be most likely storing fat. So any fat you're taking in is most likely stored. So even though the carbs aren't turned to fat, all of that fat that you're taking in most likely gets stored. So the only way to eat, you know, an exuberant, shocking amount of carbs and, you know, not store any fat would be if you're doing like a zero fat diet, you know, like the banana, like 80, 10, 10, or, you know, people do like 30 bananas a day. Those low fat diets of the nineties. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm going to say I am not recommending that people go on a low-fat diet. So also please don't <laughs> say, I heard Jim say go on a low-fat diet. I am not. But back in the 90s when low-fat diets were all the rage, that was the skinniest I ever got. And I wasn't counting calories. I only counted fat. I got down to 118 pounds. I felt awful and I looked awful. So I, I don't think I w- it was great for me. But I certainly lost a lot of weight. Chris Masterdown was actually on Dr. Alan Christensen's podcast like this week. And they also talked about all of this. And that was a different podcast with Chris Masterdown than the other one. But um, yeah, he was saying how, I mean, like realistically, the only way this pans out is in theory, you could eat, you know, 6,000 calories if it was just carbs and you probably wouldn't store barely any fat. That is like an extreme situation. One of the things that though that I had been dying to know is I've been dying to know if there's like this metabolic memory type thing for like, you know, if you go through these different phases, like how fast does it take your body to make these changes? Because, you know, they were doing, they did two 15-day things and they did, you know, five days, five days, five days, and they found no seeming quote like metabolic memory. So it seemed that each phase, like every time the participants were put on a new form, it kind of like their body didn't really remember what they had done just previous. It was like starting over. I also do think it's interesting that it was really very short. So like if they made them do it for 15 years, I want, you know, it's a different kind of thing. 15 days is very short. And that's three different five-day periods. Five-day periods are even shorter. I just find it so interesting that even when they increased 50% carbs and then when they increased 50% fat, that it was a similar weight gain. Well, also keep in mind, well, keep in mind because it's still energy the body has to handle. So whether they're burning the carbs off or, you know, shuttling the fat into storage or whatever, it's still a finite amount of energy the body has to deal with. And, you know, we, we talk about all the time that we don't want you to count calories and people then think that calories are irrelevant and volume of food is irrelevant. And that is not true. Because your body does different things with different 
foods, like whether you're eating, for example, a handful of raw almonds versus the same exact calorie content of almond butter, your body's going to process the, the almond butter differently than it does the raw almonds, even though they are, you know, the same exact quote number of calories. So there's so many variables, but, but still food volume does matter. And, and keep in mind, all these people were purposefully eating 50% more than their caloric needs. I really do want to get across. I don't want people to stress about this too much because remember with intermittent fasting, our goal is to eat until we're satisfied. We don't want you to eat 50% more of your daily caloric needs in your eating window either, because that's not a good strategy to be healthy. You know, eating more food than your body needs, even in an eating window is not good for you. We also don't want you to chronically undereat. But if you learn to listen to your body, you don't have to worry about how much percent is fat, how much percent is carbs, how much percent is protein. Just do you feel great? You know, Melly, I don't think I, I mentioned to you, I don't know if I did, but I was experimenting with not eating meat. I just wanted to see how I felt, you know, because I've been increasingly gravitating toward wanting less meat. So did I tell you I was in ex- experimentally not eating any meat? Oh, you didn't say not any. Yeah, well, I wasn't eating any meat. I didn't eat meat from the day after Christmas until now. So it's been about two weeks, zero meat. And my body's like, have some meat. <laughs> I just wanted to see. And now I'm like, you know, I was looking at the the recipes coming up in the, the next few weeks of what I'm going to be eating. And I'm like, ooh, sausage. Ooh, look at that ground beef. <laughs> like, ooh, that chicken looks delicious. And I'm like, all right, I'm not a vegetarian. So, you know, I just wanted to see what it felt like. This is the first, you know, Will moved out. So it's just my husband and me at home. And so I was like, you know, this is the time to try it. And I, I you know, my body w- was telling me it's time to eat some meat. So. Okay. Do you think our bodies are very intuitive. And now I want to eat a burger, (laughs) but I really wanted to try it. I know it was only, it was only two weeks, but you know, it doesn't feel right. I don't want to eat a ton of meat, but I'm always, I think going to eat meat. Yeah. Whenever I've gone lower animal protein, I get a almost a voracious craving for it. And it seems like a very intuitive craving, not like a, you know, it's like for, it's for like the nutrition aspect. It's not Exactly. And honestly, okay, this is why I I didn't mention it to you, but it was after I read How Not to Diet on the cruise. That's why I should never read these books. (laughs) I told you I should not read them because I'm like, you know, I think we should eat all things, but let me see what happens. No. (laughs) I know I'm still, I was working my way through that and then having to read some other books. He talked about something that we talked about last week, I think, The Health at Every Size or two weeks ago. He had a long chapter on that. Oh my goodness. I don't think I got that far. It's a really, really long book. It goes it goes on and on and on. I'm like, all right, I'm I'm done. <laughs> but you know, he's got some great points. And I don't think I know you and I disagree on things like grains and the health of those, but I personally, I don't feel like unless you've got gut issues, I don't feel like upping your veggies is bad advice for people who are healthy. I think upping your veggies, if you've got a healthy gut, upping your veggies is only a good thing, but that doesn't mean leave out all this other stuff. You know, that doesn't mean you can't have, you know, meat. And if you're somebody who feels better with zero meat, I believe you. So, you know, I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that either, but this is how I feel the best heavy veggies, grains, and also dairy fat and also meat, a little meat. 
Yes. And see, I historically always gravitate towards lean meats, fruit, honestly, like fruits, like not starches, and then like almost like a nutritional amount of veggies. So for like the micronutrients. Right. So what's your genetic heritage? Like what's your ancestry? German, German and Irish. All right. Because I always wonder, you know, because for me, it does tend to be, I tend to like to eat like an Irish lassie. (laughs) That's what works really well for me. So. Yeah. I mean, ironically, looking at my lineage, like, you know, potatoes should be like the thing, but starches just don't make me feel like. I feel like a million bucks when I eat a potato with butter. Mm. (laughs) Thank goodness. I'm so glad. Thank you, body. But really listen to your body and don't, you know, don't overthink you need to eat a certain way because someone told you to. I just experimented with that. Just even though I said I was never going to do that again, I was like, well, let's see. Cause I've been leaning towards less meat. Like, let me just say, well, no, that's not how my body felt the best was zero. So again, my body knew it. And it always, you know, I talked about it in Feast Without Fear, but I do tend to gravitate towards the way they eat in the blue zones. They don't eat a ton of meat, but they all do eat meat, except for the um, the Adventists, the Seventh-day Adventists, some of them are vegetarian. But the people in the blue zones do eat, you know, some meat, but not a ton. Anyway, it's just very interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I just shudder now, especially reading Dr. McGregor's book and people so often reference like these studies show meat correlates to all these issues. And I think so much it's like the epidemiological, like it's like when they do, when they take into account the healthy user bias, usually that all disappears. So like, for example, they do studies for people who they've done it before where they do studies for people who shop at health food markets and compare their markers based on the meat eaters versus non-meat non-meat eaters. And there's not the difference like there is with conventional America. Yeah. That is such a good, a good point because someone who is trying to live a healthy lifestyle does what they think is the right thing to do. And they're making so many more healthy choices. It's just the same, you know, the breakfast kind of research, the people who ate breakfast and were quote healthier. Well, because they were told to, because there's that health bias. Correlation does not imply causation. So the takeaway, the reason I was really fascinated by that whole study was just, I thought it was really interesting how, you know, the changes that are made from like shockingly altering your macronutrients or your calories. And I think it just goes to show again that it's not all about calories. It's not all about macros. It's really complicated. (laughs) That's why probably just do the intermittent fasting and tweak, tweak what works. Eat until satisfied. Stop when you've had enough. And if something makes you feel bad, don't have it tomorrow. I do want to say if people if people are struggling though with like seemingly losing weight, it does seem that trying low carb or low fat, you know, within your window might be something to try. That's true. And my DNA analysis indicated, no surprise, lower fat was possibly a, a better option for my body. And so, hey, that is what I found to be true. I never once, not one single time, lost weight beyond the initial water release based on you know lower glycogen stores. I never once lost weight on a low-carb diet, ever. 
But the thinnest I ever was is when I did low fat back in the 90s. Now, I was doing the worst possible low fat diet you could do. It was the low fat era where all the products, I was eating like fat free cheese and fat free whatever and fat free snack well cookies. I mean, it was nonsense. I was eating just a lot of processed garbage. That's probably why I looked so bad, honestly. I wasn't eating real food, but I was eating everything that had, you know, zero fat listed on the label. Like SpaghettiOs. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <sighs> I'm not really embarrassed because it was the time period. And that, you know, and then I actually reread the book, The T-Factor Diet, which I talked about this in Delay Don't Deny, that it was the first book I read on dieting probably. And that was the low fat era. I actually found it at a used bookstore when I was writing Feast Without Fear. And I reread it. Nowhere in there does he suggest that you use fat-free frankenfoods. The whole book is about eating real foods that are lower in fat naturally, like, you know, whole grains and real vegetables and real food. And nowhere does it talk. And, and I'm like, oh, I totally <laughs> didn't. I didn't. I thought I was doing that plan, but I didn't. I didn't do that plan at all. There's a lot here. <laughs> there is. I just I did the junk food, low fat approach, which is not recommended. <laughs> Eat real food. <laughs> And then one other thing it talked about, I can save it for next week though, is the role of glycerol. And the more and more I research that, I think that may be a factor in the whoosh effect, but I'll just say that as a teaser, but it makes so much sense. About the water retention? Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, don't forget, you're going to have to remember because the people will be like, why didn't you talk about it? Okay. I will. I will. <laughs> That's fascinating. All right. Shall we get into some of the questions for today? Yes. And I think that was all very good conversation. So very rel related. I love talking about the studies, <laughs> especially when they're talking about like fasting. One little fun fact though, that was really interesting was when, so when your fat cells are broken down, they're broken down into glycerol, which I just mentioned and free fatty acids. Do you know what is the way that they can determine ultimately how much fat you burned? What do you think they measure? I think it's your carbon carbon dioxide output, right? Like your respiration. So between like the fatty acids and and the glycerol. Oh, checking in your blood. Well, I guess it would be the the or is is it glycerol or glycerol? I don't know. Whichever it is, that's one of those words you see written and you're not really sure how to say it. I think probably it would be the glycerol. Yeah. So the glycerol can't be reesterified into into fat cells. So like when the fat cells break down, they could. They can release free fatty acids. So you could measure that. But the thing is, those go back into the fat cells if they're not used. So measuring how many free fatty acids you released from like fat burning doesn't really tell you how much you burn because we don't know if they got burned or if they go back. But if you measure the glycerol, it actually can't go back into fat cells. So that's what they measure. It's so interesting. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. 
If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter Enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. We have a question from Carolyn. The subject is Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Carolyn actually sent this like yesterday, I think. But I was like, I've been dying. I have been dying to ask you this, Jen. So I was like, this, so this is from Carolyn and me. <laughs> Not really, but sort of. Okay. So she says, hi, ladies. I have so many questions, but I'm in the process of making my exit plan for when I retire from teaching on July 1st, 2023. I am obsessed with all things IF and am planning a post-retirement second career in this field in some capacity. As I work my way back through your podcast episodes and came upon episode number 49-ish, 
I heard Jen mention enrolling in the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a health coach. I'm confused because I haven't heard this mentioned in any of the following episodes. My husband suggested I reach out and see if you completed the program, and if so, what you thought of it, and if you would recommend it to others. Thank you so much. I'm going to write a review for you ladies now because your podcast has been priceless and life-changing for me. Sorry, this is so nice of her to say. And I get very irritated when I see people posting negative reviews. I hope they realize, we didn't, I'm not making this up. She says, I hope they realize they are not obligated to listen if they do not like it. Fondly, Carolyn. Carolyn, Jen and I, we talk about that a lot. We're like, who's making you listen? (laughs) Nobody. Right. Yeah, someone said they got, they, they said something about that in the Facebook group today. They're like, this group is not helping me. I'm like, okay, move on. <laughs> That's fine. You know how many groups there are? Thank you for the feedback. <laughs> but Carolyn, thank you very much. We do appreciate that. And we hope people love to listen. But look, you know, we are not who we aren't. We are who we are. And you either like us and who we are. And I'm not going to be somebody different. Because gosh, I couldn't be. (laughs) So if you like us, we appreciate it. If you don't, I guarantee there's a podcast that will suit you. And that's all there is to that. You can't be all things to all people, but I can be Jen. And that's what I shall be. So Carolyn, great question. I actually loved the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. It's just so interesting. I, I did enroll in it. It is a health coaching program, but it's so much more than that. For me, it was very confirming for what I already believed. And it was when I was finishing up teaching. It was my last year. And I didn't really know what I was going to be doing when I retired from teaching. And so I also, you know, sometimes I get a little pushback from people who are like, why should I read your book? You're just a a person, right? (laughs) Well, I'm a person who's read a lot and done a lot and had success and coached a lot of people, but I didn't have any, you know, formal learning at all or certification in in the area of health and nutrition. So I was like, you know, I looked around for a program that was high quality And that I could do from my house because I don't have time to go somewhere and I could do it on my own time and fit it into my life. And Institute for Integrative Nutrition fit into that for me. And the way that I knew it was high quality is because of all the guest lecturers that they have. You know, every week you have a different topic and the people that are are speaking are people you've heard of. (laughs) People like Deepak Chopra. I mean, you know, (laughs) people that are, are not fly by night. These are high quality people who are talking about, you know, what they believe in the health and wellness space. So when you have that that high quality of a, you know, guest lecturing every week and the classes, you know, it's a good, a good program. So the reason I like it is, you know, when I wrote Feast Without Fear, that was when I was just blown away to realize that we're all different when it comes to what works for us. And then I later was researching and looking for a program and came across Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And their entire foundational platform is what they call bio-individuality, which is 100% of what I already believed from writing Feast Without Fear. And it's how what's good for one person might be poison to another. And so, you know, they talk about, quote, dietary theory. So they expose you to all the different dietary theories. I think even Melanie, like Rob Wolf was a guest speaker one week. You know, he talked about paleo, I think. It's really who's who. It's who's who of the of the world is out there talking about their their dietary theories. And so you hear about them. And But the whole point is that as a health coach, 
you're working with people where they are to help them solve their own problems and help them figure out what works for them. And I'm like, well, this is hundred percent what I do in the Facebook group. So I think it made me better at running Facebook groups. It made me better at understanding, you know, the way you could support someone as a health coach. Personally, I don't have any desire to work as a health coach one-on-one with people because I think what Melanie and I are doing is so much bigger because, you know, I'm running these Facebook groups that grew 15,000 in 12 days. I don't have also time to sit down one-on-one with clients and work with them. You know, we're doing this podcast and reaching thousands and thousands of people with it. We don't have time to sit down and work one-on-one. But if I were not doing this other work, I think I would love to be a health coach and maybe one day, I'm not going to say never, But as a health coach, you're not, you know, prescribing what someone has to do. You're helping them. It's almost like a health therapist. You know, think about it like that. If anyone's ever been to a therapist, you know, you're helping someone solve their own issues and work through it and find what works for them. I think it is perfect for people who have any kind of teaching background because you you know how to ask those questions, you know, like, so what do you think is holding you back or what do you think? And then people are solving their own problems, but you're guiding them to it. Anyway, I really, really loved the program. So I'm highly recommended. It is, you know, it was a lot of work, but it was worth it. I enjoyed it. I didn't mind doing it. You know, Melanie talked about reading studies for fun. Ditto. (laughs) If you like to do that, you're going to love it. So you've inspired me, Carolyn, to put a link on jenstevens.com on the favorite things tab, linking to Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And they actually have a program where if you join through my link, I get a referral fee. And so it would not make me mad for you to join through my referral link. And yes, I will get a referral fee. You can join through my link or maybe you don't want me to get a referral free, then join on your own. That's fine. I would recommend it that way too. I don't mind either way, but I would love it if anyone interested wanted to join through my referral link. You also, if you don't want to go through my link, you can just call them or reach out. And if you say that, you know, I as an alum recommended you, I think I also get the referral, but you know, I'm not going to like push it hard and heavy, but uh, you know, I, I think it's worth doing and it would not upset me if someone joined through my link. So thank you. <laughs> How's that? Yeah. And I can also put that referral link on iapodcast.com slash stuff we like. So you can get that there. All right. I, I can send that to you, but it really is a great program. And I loved what I learned and I could see health coaching being something that, that I, I would have enjoyed doing. I just don't have time, honestly. Yeah. It's <laughs> sorry. I just had a moment yesterday because remember when I interviewed David Sinclair on my podcast and he made sort of like a joke, but saying if I ever wanted to come to Harvard, that maybe there was a spot for me. And so I was talking with a friend and I was like, I was like, I wonder if I wanted to like go to Harvard. (laughs) There was the first time that the person's response was saying, well, why don't you? And I had a moment where I was like, oh, maybe I should try to apply to Harvard. But, (laughs) but it's just the, um, but I had this moment where I was like, I guess I could like doors are open. Let's do this. But it's the time thing. Like you just said, like, I wish we could just be in this. I wish there was more time, like a perpetual state of learning and Well, see, that's the thing. You don't need Harvard credentials behind your name to be able to to learn things and read. I mean, Harvard credentials are amazing. I'm not knocking that. But you can learn without them. This is true. Because it's a matter of, I think some people, I think it probably goes down as well to like what type of, it's like Gretchen Rubin's book about whether you fulfill inner, inner or outer expectations. The people who I feel like would really want to go the school route are people who 
don't fulfill inner expectations, but fulfill outer expectations. Cause then it's like, they need accountability from some, some sort of system to make them, you know, do the work compared to people who are completely fine with their inner expectations because then they can do it themselves. And it's like, it's a, it's a personality thing. It's not like good or bad. It's just some people. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's whether you need it or not. You're right. Cause I am a very independent learner. If I want to learn about something, in fact, you can't stop me. You know, (laughs) if I want to learn about something, you can't stop me from obsessively learning about it. And you are the same way. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. You're like that on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, my goodness. Like never stops. Never stops. Oh, wait. Can I tell you a funny story about speaking of referral week stuff? You know, I have my sunlight and my solo, my sauna. No, I, I forgot you had a sauna if you told me. Oh, yeah. When I first moved to Atlanta... I bought one of the infrared saunas that you can have in your apartment, mostly because it supports detoxification. It's funny. So I signed up with them in like spring and I bought the unit and they were like, yeah, we can like partner with you and, you know, do all this stuff. But right at that time, they had like a shift in their whole system. Like I think they like switched out who was running their marketing and everything. So I kept emailing them, trying to connect with them. And I would like never hear back. (laughs) And people kept asking me because I love my sunlight and people keep asking me like, who do you recommend? And like, do you have a code for us? And I'm like, they're not answering. So yesterday in my Facebook group, somebody was like, I just purchased a Sunlighten and I put your name in the code. And I was like, awesome, but I don't have a code <laughs> with them. So long story short, I emailed them yesterday and they and answered and they finally answered. And they're gonna come on my podcast for a whole episode about it. And now they finally have a, a link for me. So I know people have been asking me about the sauna that I recommend. The point of that whole story was now I actually have a link. I actually have a code that can give you a discount. So, yes. And you know what I love? As much as people, you know, yes, we have sponsors, but I love it so much when someone tries something that we love because we only talk about things we love and then they love it too. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, my favorite moment was when Jen loved the CBD and the juve. (laughs) Yeah. So it feels so good to know that you're recommending something and then they loved it. I've always been that kind of person. Have you read Malcolm Gladwell's book? Um, Oh, what, which one was it? The one where he talks about people who are mavens and influencers or whatever. I read the one that... It's like, why Why are some people successful? Oh, The Tipping Point. That's the one. That's the one. I love it. I've, I've read several of his books. Outliers is another one. But a friend of mine actually was reading The Tipping Point for a graduate school class. And she said, this is before we did the podcast. This is a, years ago. She's like, and then I was reading this and I was like, that's my friend, Jen. <laughs> so you can be a maven, a connector, or a salesperson. A maven is somebody that makes change happen through information and ideas. Is that what I probably am too? Yeah. You're like the first to try it and then you're telling everybody about it. And yeah. Because I am not a salesperson. Like I do not like selling things and I do not want people to ever feel like they have to buy things like ever. <laughs> I'm like the anti-sales person. I just like, like finding out what I love and then telling people about it. <laughs> so that's, you're a maven. You are a maven. And that's what I thought was just fascinating. So the connectors are the people. This is just for anyone who has not read The Tipping Point. I love it. Malcolm Gladwell is fabulous. Oh, and the other day when my book was in the top 
of all Amazon. It was like number 33. One day I was like right next to Malcolm Gladwell's new book. And I'm like, ah, anyway, it was thrilling. I took a photo of that one. But connectors are people like, you know, the six degrees of separation that everyone talks about. Yeah. And that is so true. The research, he talks about this research. It came out of the people, you know, like they did a study where they wanted to find out like if they gave random people mail that had to get to this one person, this other random person, and they tracked how many hands it went through to get from random person number one to random person number two. It took about six passes for it to get to six degrees of separation to get to the person. But what they found is it did not go through random people. There were some people that tons of it went through their hands, and those are the connectors. When they tracked it, there's some people who just are connected. And so that was where the whole idea came from. So anyone who likes to read nonfiction, you would love this book and it's highly recommended. But yeah, so those are the connectors. The mavens are the ones that are trying new things and then share it with other people. And does like being a connector, does it relate at all to like your personality or is it literally just you're connected to lots of people? Oh, it's your personality. Oh, it's your personality. Like, for example, I think they use the example of Paul Revere was a No, I don't know. He was one of them. But people listened when he talked because they were connected. Maybe he was, oh, he might have been a salesman. The salesman is the third. Is it like those people where you're like, oh, I bet, I bet they know them. Like, cause like everybody knows them. Like they know everybody. It's like if you meet somebody new, you're like, and if you sort of maybe know what the friend circle is, you could be like, oh, I could probably mention this person. They would know who they are. Right. The people who know everybody, they're the connectors. But you and I, we are the mavens of the world. (laughs) But I've always loved that. I've always been the kind of person who's like, look, I love this. Everyone try this, you know, when I love something anyway. Yeah. Because I just want everybody to experience it. Like, okay, can I tell you my favorite thing right now that I want everybody to have? (laughs) It's so amazing. I actually sent it to one of my friends for Christmas. It's called phone soap. Have you, have you heard of this? It like disinfects your phone somehow. Yeah. It's like a little tanning bed for your phone. Yes, I've heard of that. Was it on Shark Tank? Oh, I think somebody mentioned that. It might have been. I think something like that was on Shark Tank because I love that show. It's my favorite show. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. You put your phone in and then you close it and it puts on the UV light and it disinfects your phone. And then it also charges your phone at the same time. I'm I'm obsessed with it. It's amazing. Because I was getting really grossed out thinking about like phones. (laughs) And I was like, how do I clean it? I don't want to put like chemicals on my phone. For some reason, I'm not the least bit worried about how dirty my own phone is. Maybe it's because I grew up in the era of public phones and pay phones and everybody using common phones. So to me, my own personal phone, I'm like, yeah, whatever. That's my germ. My germs are on there. Yeah. The problem is we, well, we touch everything and then that touch has touched everything. So then it all comes back to the phone. Hi friends, an incredible fasting aid is coffee. Yes, I am all about the coffee. I am a huge fan of its health benefits as well as how it can support your fast and really help with energy and fat burning. And I have a big announcement. The brand of coffee that I have been drinking for an entire decade now, I am no longer drinking. 
There's some drama, there's some science, and I'm about to tell you how to get a discount on my new favorite coffee. So I've been drinking the coffee formerly known as Dave Asprey's Bulletproof Coffee for literally a decade. I do not drink it now, so this is not a Bulletproof Coffee commercial, but I started drinking it because I so trusted Dave and his obsession in creating mold-free coffee because moldy coffee beans is a huge problem and a lot of people can get health issues, brain fog, and crash after coffee because of the mold contamination. Dave has been talking about this for so long, so I really trusted him and I would drink Bulletproof Coffee, which I absolutely loved and loved that it was mold-free. Then there was some drama. Dave sort of got kicked out of Bulletproof. He might be going back. There's a lot of stuff going on with that. Follow him on Instagram if you want to learn more about that. He even talked about it at the recent biohacking conference. But in any case, (laughs) drama aside, he can no longer speak to Bulletproof Coffee as to whether or not it is mold-free. And he ended up making a coffee even better than Bulletproof Coffee, and it is called Danger Coffee, and friends, I love it. It's the first coffee that is not only mold-free, but actually can help you remineralize. Yep, that's right. Danger Coffee contains a patent-pending formula that actually remineralizes your body with more than 50 trace minerals, nutrients, and electrolytes. On top of that, it is super clean. I know people like to see organic labels. Friends, I have learned so much about the certification industry. And honestly, the best of the best is finding people that you trust who do extensive testing and third-party certification. That's what I do with my Avalon X supplements. And that's what Dave does with Danger Coffee. So with Danger Coffee, they use a process that far exceeds government and industry standards. And it is third-party lab tested. So you can rest assured it is free of mold toxins. As for the flavor, Dave selected these hand-picked farm direct beans for their quality, their superb flavor, and their elevated performance. I love the taste of it. It's much richer and more nuanced than Bulletproof Coffee. It's honestly one of the best coffees I've ever tasted, and it's so exciting to know that when I'm drinking it, I'm actually helping to remineralize my body. So that's right. If you want your coffee to contain antioxidants, anti-inflammatories, micronutrients, and help optimize your fasting, you want Danger Coffee. And of course, I have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee and use the coupon code MELANIEAVALON to get 10% off. Again, that is melanieavalon.com slash dangercoffee with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON for 10% off. This is my favorite coffee. Like I said, it takes some really good coffee and convincing biohacking health reasons to break me from my 10-year decade bulletproof coffee habit. But sometimes you just got to upgrade. And by the way, this would make epic presents for people. This can just become your go-to present. Not only will people love it, but you'll be helping their health as well. Everybody wins. MelanieAvalon.com slash Danger Coffee with the coupon code Danger Coffee. Yeah, see, I'm not worried about, about germs. I'm actually not. I don't, I'm not worried about external germs. I'm worried about the ones inside of me. <laughs> See, that's that's so funny. I'm less worried about the ones inside of me <laughs> than I am about, like, I don't know, in a hotel room, I don't like for the comforter to touch me because I'm not sure they washed it. Or like if the bed sheet comes off in the night and you wake up and you're laying on the mattress pad, I want to die. If that's ever happened, if you've noticed that the, the sheet folded, well, I'm a wiggler. I, I, I'm a, I like run a marathon in my sleep. So yeah, I don't really... I don't think that's happened to me. Yeah. All right. So we have time for one more question. This comes from Joseph. The subject is giving up on IF with a 
frowny face. Joseph says, Melanie Jen, love the show. I've been doing IF for just under two months now. I completed a 65-hour fast and several 36-hour monk fasts. In fact, my average day is 19.2 hours. The weight, however, is stubbornly sticking around and I'm starting to get despondent. Perhaps I need to, quote, diet when feasting, as in cut down the carbs or go full keto. Or maybe it's portion size. Yesterday, for example, I completed a 22-hour fast, ate fish and chips, a Greek salad, and two beers, and one hour later, back fasting. This morning, I'd gained 0.7 pounds. I'm really considering throwing in the towel here. Help. Jen. Joseph, you do need help. You need so much help, and I'm going to tell you what will help you. You need to reread the weighing chapter of Delay Don't Deny and understand that fluctuations are not something you need to focus on. So I was being a little sarcastic there when I said you needed a lot of help, but really that is what is going to free you. Distancing yourself from those fluctuations. I would a hundred percent eat. I mean, I don't like fish. Okay. So forgive me, (laughs) but I would eat fish and chips, a Greek salad and two beers in a window. If I wanted to eat fish and chips, I would and have beers. But then the next day, If I weighed, I'm sure my weight would be up because certain foods do make your body retain water. So what you've got to do, Joseph, is come up with a strategy that will help you only focus on your overall trend and not the daily fluctuation. Because here's something to know. Back when I kept starting and stopping intermittent fasting, the same thing would happen to me. Whenever I saw that my weight would fluctuate upward, I'd be like, this isn't working. I quit. And then I would quit. Like for months, I would quit and then I would try it again a little bit and then I would quit. And it wasn't until, I can't remember what book I read it in, but once I read someone's suggestion to weigh every day and then once a week calculate your weekly average and only compare the weekly averages, when I started back to intermittent fasting in 2014, the only time I didn't quit was the time that I was only worrying about my weekly averages. I didn't pay attention to the daily fluctuations anymore. I just waited till Friday. Then I calculated my weekly average, crossed my fingers, and guess what? It was always down. Week after week, even my Friday weight might have been up. Maybe I weighed you know, two more pounds than I had the previous Friday, but my weekly average was down half a pound. So I knew that overall I was trending in the right direction. Now, you don't have to be like me. I wrote it on paper. I used my phone calculator. I did the math. You can get an app that does that for you. My favorite app, if you're an iPhone kind of guy, get Happy Scale. I actually had Russ Shanahan, the creator of Happy Scale, on intermittent fasting stories. So people can look back and find that episode. It's a great episode. He's he's a great guy and his app is wonderful. And Happy Scale does it for you. It shows you what your overall trend is doing. So as long as you've got that green trend line going on, you know that your weight is trending down. Who cares that your your weight went up seven-tenths of a pound? Tomorrow it might go down 1.2, and then it might go up 0.6, and then it might – that's all irrelevant. It's the long game that we're going to worry about here. So I don't know why anyone would ever give up intermittent fasting. You said you're considering throwing in the towel – you know, in, in my new book, I actually have a chapter title called Tweak It Till It's Easy. Um, but because we've been saying that in the community for years, we've been saying Tweak It Till It's Easy. So now that's a chapter title. But I want you to tweak it till it's easy. Do you f- do better when you have fewer carbs? Do you know that about yourself? Sure. Tweak it. Tweak the numbers of carbs that you're eating if you want to. 
But that doesn't mean, you know, that that's what you have to do. If you know that's something that works better for your body and you think you'll lose weight better that way and you want to do that, do it. Or just focus on your average and maybe you'll realize you're actually losing an average of a pound a week. And so you don't need to tweak anything. Maybe it's portion size. Are you eating till you're overly full? If you're overly full, then yeah, it's portion size. Stop when you're satisfied. So there's so many things you can tweak. You can tweak food choices to find the ones that work best for you. You can eat until you're satisfied and you need to learn to watch that weekly trend or the overall trend instead of the fluctuations. So I hope that helps, Joseph. I have confidence in you. And all that we know about the health benefits of intermittent fasting, even if people start it and lose zero pounds ever, it is such a healthy way to live. I can't imagine throwing in the towel and quitting. Yeah. I have a few different thoughts. I agree so much with the last thing that you just said is the benefits that we're receiving from fasting, even if without weight loss are amazing. And I think they're especially good to help counter if you are eating foods that aren't suiting your body in your eating window. I think that is one of the dangers with how intermittent fasting is becoming so popular is that we're finding all these benefits. And I'm thinking that people see it as like an eraser that they can like completely like, okay, maybe they don't have to address what they're eating at all. Well, you know, they did have that rat study where the rats that ate the crappy food with intermittent fasting did better than the one, the intermittent fasting did protect those rats eating the crappy food. So the first step is add intermittent fasting. Then you can worry about the food. But those those rats did have health benefits eating the crappy food. I'm not suggesting crappy food, people. But even with that, there will be health benefits. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's it does such a wonder on like the genetic level and, you know, changing the way your body processes energy and stuff that, you know, we could be in these situations where take maybe taking in foods that aren't actually suiting our body, maybe even harming the body, but then, you know, rebounding and the fasting is helping a lot is the point. But I'm saying, I think some people think that the fasting can do everything and that it should be like a get out of jail free card or that sometimes I think you do have to address your diet. And I think that's okay. I don't think we should be like, oh, that means that fasting wasn't working. No, it just means that you might just have to put in foods that are suiting your body if you have certain goals. Yeah, because see, that's the part that 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 word, that phrase, the longer I live my life, the more that one upsets me, not upsets me, but irritates. What's the word I'm looking for? Fasting isn't working. And the thing is, maybe fasting isn't working for you to lose weight right this minute, but maybe it's clearing out your fatty liver. Yeah, I feel like it's more like it's not that fasting isn't working. It's I think it's probably what you're eating isn't working. I mean, I don't want to say that, but whether you're losing weight is not the only measure of whether fasting is working in your body. Fasting is, in my opinion, most likely going to make beneficial changes. So if something is not working, I think oftentimes it could be what you're eating. And I, I think I'm, I focus on that a little bit more than Jen does because it's like, like with this question from Joseph, it seems like he's looking at two options, either fast and eat all these foods this way with this window or not fast. And I don't know when he's not fasting what like how that would change what he's eating. I think it it's okay to continue fasting and then also adjust what you're eating. And that doesn't mean the fasting wasn't working. 
Yeah, and he phrased it as perhaps I need to, quote, diet when feasting. But but then he also talked about throwing in the towel completely. But I don't want you to think of it as dieting in the sense that you are restricting yourself and you're doing this horrible diet if you're choosing the foods that support your body and the way you feel best, right? So like when I tried, when I just talked about how I tried for a couple of weeks to see how I would feel with eating vegetarian, I didn't do it to lose weight. And this is what was so exciting about it. For the first time in my life, I didn't change what I was eating for the purpose of trying to lose weight. I don't need to lose weight. I wanted to see how I felt. And so was I dieting? No, I was changing the way I ate just to see how I felt. Yeah. So like, for example, Joseph, what if instead of having fish and chips, a Greek salad and two beers, you had, I'm assuming because fish and chips are usually like fried fish. Fried food. Yeah. Well, yeah. Fried food is also going to make you retain water. At least me. And it's not even the water. There's the health effects of, you know, fried oils and I say it so much, but if, I mean, if there's a surefire way in my opinion to weight gain, it's like the polyunsaturated fats, especially the oils. So like things you're frying in, but I mean, you could like modify what you're eating without in your head going quote low carb. You could have, you know, not fish that's not fried, a baked potato, a Greek salad. And then, I mean, you could keep in the beers if you want to try how alcohol affects things, you know, like, so there are things you can play with without quote dieting. On the flip side, you can totally try low carb and that might work. And if it works, that's okay. It means that you're, it was making your body more like it's, I think people get scared because they think if they try something that they seem as restrictive and then it works, they're like, oh no, that means I have to keep doing that. I think that's oftentimes the fear. Well, I also am at the point where I never want to do anything I'm not willing to do forever. So that is something that Joseph needs to keep in mind. You know, if you don't want to go low carb forever, if that's not the way you think you would like, I mean, you could still cut back on the processed carbs and the refined carbs. That's not the same as going low carb. Yeah. Well, like the way I see it for me is, so my paradigm that I like to live within is whole foods. So I give myself permission. Like I'm totally okay with trying low carb and I'm totally okay with trying low fat. I'm totally okay with, and I don't see it as forever. But it might be if you love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You have permission to be forever. Like I could have been vegetarian forever and that would have been fine. Yeah. I feel like I was listening to somebody recently and they were saying that they were saying you should let go of everything that you need to justify. So like if you're doing a diet that works for you, you don't ever feel the need to justify it. You just do it. But if you feel the need to justify it, then maybe that's has an implication that it's not something that you really, you know, want. You're not really convinced if you're having to justify it. That's the way I feel about fasting. I don't feel like I have to justify it to anybody and I will share it and somebody might say, oh, well, that's just because you're eating fewer calories. That's just a low calorie diet. That's the only reason it works. I'm like, all right, you know, it's so much more than that, but okay. But I don't have to, you know, get upset or like be embarrassed or, or even care. I don't have to care what the person said to me. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. I never feel the need to justify it to myself, only to other people, which is (sighs) ironic. Well, I no longer feel the need to have to justify it to other people because, you know, it's just been so many, there's, there's so much out there about it now that, you know, I'm choosing to follow the science and it's okay if you're not there yet. And then I actually, I'll save it for next week again as a final teaser, because everything you were saying about the water weight really made me think more about the glycerol. So remind me next week. 
And we have to, between now and then, we have to figure out if it's glycerol or glycerol. I just don't know. I feel like it might be glycerol, but I don't know. <laughs> I would not bet the farm on that. So I just, in my head, I've always said glycerol, but if I said it because I heard it that way, I have no idea. I bet my husband would know. It's probably glycerol. Since he's the or- organic chemist, he probably knows. It really makes sense, though, about with the water weight, though, when you understand it. All right. Good talk. <laughs> I know. Anyways, so a few things for our listeners before we go. So we are a Himalaya-partnered show. You can follow us in the Himalaya app, and you will get early access to our podcast 24 hours in advance. You can also – I mentioned we have that page, ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all the stuff that we like. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 145. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are the IF Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon on Instagram. Jen is Jen Stevens. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. Okie dokie. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. Looking forward to hearing about glycerol, glycerol next week. That really is a problem when we just read it so many times. We've read it. I guess you would get that if you were sitting in front of a professor in his classroom, right? Would get what? The pronunciation. Yeah. That's one thing you don't get when you're reading it yourself. Although here's a funny story. One time I was sitting in a class somewhere. It was like when I was getting my reading endorsement or something. And there was somebody talking to us and they kept saying genre wrong. Oh, no, I was at a conference. You know, genre, like what genre of a book it was a conference presentation. That's what it was. And she kept saying genre. The presenter kept saying genre. And it made me want to scream. <laughs> ben Greenfield pronounces a lot of stuff really weird. It drives me crazy. Really? He's He must be just a voracious reader because I really think that those of us who have read so much. Kirsten. He always says Kirsten. I'm like, I think it's. Quercetin. I think it's Quercetin. Yeah. But we've we've read it so many times that we've come up with our own pronunciation in our mind. Like for me, jalopy. I always said jalopy in my head. I don't even know what that word is. A jalopy. It's an old junky car. But I remember one time I said to my friend something about a jalopy. And she's like, do you mean jalopy? (laughs) I'm like, yeah. (laughs) I didn't know how to say it. But the more you read, I think the more you're prone to say that. I had a student. He was brilliant. He was a second grader. We were studying the States. Brilliant second grade boy. And he knew every single state in second grade before we started studying the States. He knew them already and the capitals. And he didn't know how to pronounce any of them. (laughs) And he said, Chicago. For um, Chicago. I was like, I don't even know what. Chicago. He was talking about Chicago. And he said all of them wrong just a little bit. He was brilliant. But he also his family was African. They came like his parents were immigrants from Africa. And so he, he had like a, an African kind of, you know, accent, like Africa. I'm not sure what country they were from in Africa, but he was so brilliant. He knew every single state and capital, but could not pronounce them. And he, he was precious. I, he's one of the kids I think back fondly on. Hope he's doing well. I know he is though, because he's so brilliant. Maybe he's listening. Chicago. Well, he's still in elementary school. Oh, right. Because he was in second grade my last year teaching. So that would put them, he's a fourth grader now. So I doubt it. (laughs) But he was brilliant, brilliant child. And one day he will not say Chicago, but I will never forget him. And I love him. I love those kids. But I'm really glad not to be sitting in the classroom with them right now, which is where I would have been. (laughs) So funny. For summer reading, I would always read the books like three times before 
Like, you know, you're supposed to read the books once. <laughs> Did you read them because you loved them? No, because I wanted to be prepared. <laughs> no, I didn't care if I was prepared. If I didn't like it, I'd be like, somebody just tell me what was in it. <laughs> we had to read The Hobbit, which is very long. I love the No, The Hobbit is not bad. I love The Hobbit. Well, I'd already read it historically like three times, and then I read it two more times that summer. See, I love The Hobbit, but I couldn't get into any of The Lord of the Rings. I didn't like any of them. They were just too much. But The Hobbit, I loved it. I was such a nerd. This is what a nerd I was. This is before the internet, of course, because I was, you know, this was the 70s, 80s. I actually, in The Hobbit, you know, in the front piece, the illustrations, they have the runes that the elves would use, like their little language. I decoded that. Like I figured out what that said. You could probably look it up online right now. But I was like, I think this is something I could figure out. And I figured out what those words meant. Like I remember what it it was really just a basic alphabet substitution kind of a code. It wasn't any kind of language. It was just a code. But I was. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I, I would try to speak in Elvish. And now, you know, that sounds just like Cal Stevens. Now he's a computer programmer. He got it, got it honest. Yeah, I, I tried to like learn the Elvish language. So I feel like we would have gotten along really well. We would have. <laughs> All right. Well, I will look forward to talking to you next week. And what are we going to talk about first? I'm not sure. It's glycerol or glycerol. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll figure it out before then. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.